Now, our part is faith, okay? And the Bible says, by grace, you've been saved through faith. So grace is for everybody. But what, what we do, some of us, we put our faith in astrology. Some of us think that Dr. Phil is one of the 12 disciples. We put our faith in what he has to say. Maybe you put your faith in drugs or sex or alcohol. We try all these things. That's what this series is all about. People are downloading some 25 different billion apps trying to find something they can trust, something they can believe, something that can help them. By grace, we have been saved through faith. When grace meets faith, at that point, at that point, that's when salvation occurs. Welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. We are here every weekday at this time to share the good news of Jesus and to lift up His name to this city. No matter if you are listening right now from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that today's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to everyone. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message. Take your Bibles and turn to James chapter 2, James chapter 2. God has an app to help resuscitate a dying faith. I I, want to just mention as I begin the Apostle Paul, who I believe he explains that faith is a process. Because he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 6, he said, I, Paul, planted the seed. Apollos came along and watered that seed. And God was the one that made it grow. And it uses the analogy that as Christians, there's a planting of a seed, there's there's a birth, there's a growth, there's a process. John was the one in John chapter 15 that used the analogy of the vine and the branches. That Jesus is the vine, that we're the branches, and we're connected to him. And if we are connected to him, that we will bear much fruit. If not, if we're not properly connected, that eventually we will die. And the Bible talks about that, that will be used for kindling wood, if you read through uh, John chapter 15. So I want to begin by talking about that there are three types of people in this room. Now, you're in one of these three categories. Category number one. There has to be some, someone here today who's unsaved. There's a category of people. There might only be two. There might be 20. There might be 200 of you. I don't know. There are people that sometimes come to church. They're not saved, but they're searching. They're looking. Someone invited them. They don't really know much about Christianity, but they're here. They're going to listen. Uh, there's a chance uh, uh, but that they'll be saved. They're not saved. If they were to die right now, if they were to die right now because they're not a Christian, then, then they would have a lot, of, a lot of problems at that point. Right now, right now, right now they're here, and I'm glad they're here. And I, I want you to know that, that, that even though you've not yet yielded your life to Christ, I do want you to know that, that the, greatest, the greatest day of your life will be the day that you finally let go of whatever you're holding on to and just let God have his way in your life. That'll be the greatest day of your life. I want you to know that. The second group or category of people that are here are people that are, that are saved. These are people that, that have crossed over the line and they gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ. And oh, they have some good days and they have some bad days. 
But they're locked and they're loaded. They're ready to go. They're growing. Some days they're like Peter. They take three steps forward. They take two steps backwards. Some days they're strong. Some days they're weak. But they are, they, they are on a journey of a lifetime. They're not looking back. They're going to serve God for the rest of their days. There's a third group of people here, though. People who were once saved. They, they gave their life to Jesus Christ Everything was exciting to them for a while. They loved coming to church. They loved reading their Bible. They loved praying. They loved listening to the music and singing. But something happened to them. I don't know if it was sin. I don't know if it was uh, somehow they got disappointed or got their feelings hurt. Maybe their heart just became, maybe they just became indifferent to the things of God. They got in, they were excited. But today they're on a journey going back to that way of life where they used to live. Their, their faith is waning. They're not, they're not truly connected to that vine, and they're struggling in their faith. And I don't want you to think that it's too unusual to struggle in your faith. I see it all the time in church. All the time I see people come down this aisle, tears in their eye. They want to be baptized. They give their life to Jesus Christ, and they're here, but six months later they're nowhere to be found. Where, where, where'd they go? What happened to them? A year later, well, where are they? I mean, think about all the people that come to church. If, if people were, if people, if their faith never waned and they were always here all the time, think about what church would be like. Look at Judas. He was one of the 12. He was on the inside. He saw all the miracles. He was so well-liked and so well-trusted. They said, hey, we're going to put him in charge of the money because we like this guy and he's one of us. And yet he eventually reached a point into his life where he sold Jesus Christ out for 30 pieces of silver, which is about $16 in today's money. And there are people in this room right now that are selling Jesus out for less than $16. And I think about Peter. Peter was the one. He was with Jesus. He saw all the miracles. He was on the boat that day. They'd fished all day long and didn't catch a single fish. And Jesus said, hey, throw your nets on the other side. And they threw their nets on the other side, and they, cut, they collected so many fish that the, 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 the nets began to break. And, and, and Peter was there, and yet at the end, Peter was the one who cursed. He cursed three times and denied that he even knew the Lord. And so I think it's possible for you to come and have a strong faith. And I don't know, again, if it's sin or what it is, but we begin, our faith begins to wane. And so I want to talk to you about how to resuscitate your dying faith. And number one, here's the first thing in your notes. Uh, first of all, I want to make sure you're saved to begin with. Maybe, maybe, if you're struggling in your faith and you're struggling and doubting whether, whether or not you're truly saved, maybe it's because you never were saved. And I, I, I want to talk to you about that for just a moment. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 8, for it is by grace, everybody say grace, for it is by grace you have been what? Save through a thing called faith. So I've always looked at that verse as though are, there are two, th- two, two, two things, two ways to be saved. God's part is grace. We know what grace is. Our part is faith. Now grace is unmerited favor. That's where God gives you salvation when you did not deserve it. Today, I don't know if you know this, but today is my birthday. That's right. It's my birthday. Anybody else in the room, your birthday's today? Anybody? I didn't say yesterday. I said today. You? No, yesterday. Okay, okay, yesterday. Anyone else, your birthday's today? Anybody? Today? Anybody? 
every year on my birthday. It's already happened today. It's happened today. People have given me gifts. Every gift I've received ever on any of my birthdays was undeserved. It was unmerited. I, I, I had absolutely nothing with the fact to do that I'm here. That was my mom and dad. You're, you're giving the gift to the wrong person. If you want to celebrate the fact that I'm here, you should be sending a gift up to my mom and dad. Someone came out of church, first service, said, hey, pastor, I was going to give you some Laker tickets, but I guess I'll just send those on to your dad. I said, no, you give those to me. <laughs> but uh, no, I really believe, you know, I have three children. If you want to celebrate one of their birthdays, give me the gift because they, <laughs> they wouldn't be here without me. Can someone say Amen. Now, all I want you to know is that on your birthday, people give you gifts, and every time you get that gift, it's unmerited because you had nothing to do with the fact that you're here, right? And that's what salvation is. Salvation is the fact that we were all lost, we were all in our sins, and before any of you were born, God sent Jesus to die on a cross. He blessed you with a thing called grace. Now, I want you to write this acrostic down. Many of you have heard this, but some of you have not. Just want to make sure. Grace stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. That's grace. That's the acrostic. Christ, God's riches, God in his mercy, God in his riches, he sent Christ, allowed his son Jesus Christ to die for you. It's called unmerited favor. Not one of you deserved God doing that, but he did it because he loved you. Now, faith, and you can write this down, faith stands for forsaking all, I trust him. Forsaking all, I trust him. And you can leave that up so people can write that down. I've always always likened, you know, I I like using my hand that this is God's grace, that God, God, God allowed Jesus to die when we didn't deserve it. And that's grace. It's grace. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Now, when Jesus died, who did he die for? When God gave grace, that grace, who who was that for? Was that for you? Was it for you? It was for you. It was for everybody. When Jesus died, he died for the whole world because he wants the whole world to be saved. I always, I always laugh when people say, well, whatever God wants happen." No, God wants the whole world to be saved, but the whole world is not saved. He, he sent, if, don't forget, he created us with free will. Did he not? We have a choice to accept him or to reject him, just like Adam and Eve. They had a choice to accept or reject his commandments. They chose to reject. So God died. He sent Jesus to die for the whole world. Now, our part is faith, okay? And the Bible says, by grace, you've been saved through faith. When faith when faith meets grace, that's salvation. Now, right now, so, so grace is for everybody. But what, what we do, some of us, we put our faith in astrology. Some of, us, some of us think that Dr. Phil is one of the 12 disciples. We put our faith in what he has to say. Maybe you put your faith in drugs or sex or alcohol. We try all these things. That's what this series is all about. People are downloading some 25 different billion apps trying to find something they can trust, something they can believe, something that can help them. And we're set when, by grace we have been saved through faith. When you, look at, when you say, hey, you know what? I, I'm going to put my faith in His grace. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when grace meets faith, at that point, at that point, that's when salvation occurs, all right? Someone planted a seed, someone watered it, 
you're thinking about it, that there came a point where you said, you know what, I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried, oh, oh, there's God, God's great, I'm going to try Jesus. And you put your faith in Jesus Christ. At that point, that's when salvation takes place. So that's step number one, make sure you've done that. Step number two, write this down. You need to be crystal clear in defining what, what is saving faith. Uh, See, I don't think we question at all what grace is. We know what grace is. We know that. I don't know any church arguing about what grace is. What we argue about is what is faith? What does it mean? What What is saving faith? That's what James talks about. Look at verse 14. James 2, verse 14. He asks a question. He asks several questions. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims, he claims Hey, look at me, I'm a Christian. He claims to have faith, but he has no deeds. Can such faith save him? He he claims, he claims, hey, I'm a Christian, but he never goes to church. I'm a believer, I love Jesus, but he refuses to be baptized. I'm a Christian, but he can't control his speech. I'm a Christian, but he cheats on his spouse. Hey, I'm a Christian, but he doesn't help the poor. He's not involved in ministry. James asked this question, can a man claim that, can he claim to have faith in Jesus Christ and have not deeds? Can such faith save him? Now, for years, there's been a theological debate about this question. And I, I don't want to confuse you, but I believe, I believe when the church first started in, in, in the book of Acts that people were in love with God, they were in love with Jesus Christ, and, and the church began. I, I, don't, I don't want to go into all that, uh, but somewhere along the road, putting our faith in Jesus Christ, and, and immediately what happened, as soon as you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you start serving, you start helping. James even says it's to look after widows and orphans. And so we start doing all these good things. What happened in church theology, some people started trusting in their deeds for salvation. So the church reformers, because church became kind of formal. It used to be this informal, exciting, people were praying and giving and, and they were worshiping and studying. And then church kind of evolved in this very formal, ritualistic thing where you had to dress a certain way and do certain things and live a certain way. And what happened, some people started trusting in those those deeds for salvation so all the church reformers man they stood up and they said hey we're saved we're not saved by works we're saved by faith alone and so that was preached for hundreds and maybe thousands of years and even still today churches all over america famous famous well-known preachers will stand up and say we're saved by faith alone the problem with that is The only place in the entire Bible where you see the words faith alone, there's only one place where you see faith alone in the Bible. Did you know that? It's in James chapter 2, verse 24. If you have your Bible, look at it because it's in there. It says, you see that a person is justified by what he does. And not by, here are the two words, the only time in the Bible they're side to side. Not by what? Faith alone. 
I believe verse 24 is basically answering the question. We started this series, this, this message out in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, a guy who says, yes, I'm a Christian, but there's, no, there's nothing in his life that reflects that he's a Christian. Uh, James asked, who, and by the way, James is the brother of Jesus. James asked, can such faith save a man? The answer is obviously no. If there's no transformation of heart, if there's no transformation of your schedule, if there's no transformation of your words, if there's no transformation of your way of life, if there's no transformation of your deeds, I'm not sure that you've ever defined faith accurately. So let's define faith. What's, let's define saving faith. Three things. Number one, write this down. Faith is personal. It is personal. I'll give that to you. I'll, I'll let you win that argument. Faith is personal, per se, but it is not private. It is not private. Oh, I know it's between you and God, and I hear this all the time. Preacher, don't, I don't need, I, I live my life the way I want. I, I have a relationship with God. And it's a personal relationship, and I don't need to let anyone else know. I don't need to be preaching anybody. I just kind of live my life the way I want to live it. It's just between me and God. It's a very personal thing. I agree with you. But I would tell you, if you have a personal relationship with the holy God of the universe and with his son, his one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, if he is your Lord and Savior, that will not end up being a private matter. You will end up letting the whole world know. It's not just personal. It's more than just personal. Faith will be seen. Faith will be noticed. Faith will be heard. Look at verse 15. Suppose, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. Verse 16, if any one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, good luck with that, keep warm and well fed, Lord, may the Lord bless you, but does nothing about his physical needs, James asked this question, what good is that? It's not just you and this personal thing to you and God. Here's a guy who needs some help and you don't even help him. What kind of faith is that? Look at verse 17. He says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by, what's the word? Action. It is dead Fred. Now we're going to read that verse again, and I want you to read it with me, and I want you to put the word Fred on the end of the verse. Are you ready? Read it with me. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead Fred. Verse 18, because some of you still don't believe it. Huh, someone, someone says, you have faith, I have Jesus, I have Jesus, you have faith. He says, you show me 
You show me faith. You show me a man who says, I love God, but there are no deeds in his life. You show me that there, there is not. He's saying there isn't such a person. You, you try to find someone who has a real faith in God and has no deeds. He said, I, I will show you my faith by what I do. Christianity is not something you do in private. You say, well, I'm just a shy person, and, I, and I, don't, I, I, I don't really speak in public very well, and I just kind of live my life. It's just between me and God, and I don't really bother anybody. I'm just a really shy person. You missed the point. The point is, if you have faith in God, the whole world will see that relationship. It will not remain private. Faith is active. Faith is involved. It has arms and hands and legs and feet. Jesus said in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, if you are, if you are a part of my kingdom, you will let your light shine to the entire world. You will be the salt of the earth. In Matthew chapter 9, he says, hey, you people need to pray that God would raise up some workers that will go out and reap the harvest. In Matthew chapter 22, he talks about, hey, you people need to get involved and, and go out and invite anyone you can find. Get in the country, the highways, the, the little lanes and the alleys. Invite anyone you can to come so that my house may be full. In Matthew 28, Jesus calls us to take the gospel to all nations and let the whole world know who Jesus Christ is and to make disciples. And I love, him. I love Mark chapter 1, verse 17, where he says, hey, you want to follow me? I will make you a fisher of men. You see, the proof of whether or not you're a Christian is not based on what you tell me. The proof of whether or not you're a Christian is what I see in your life, what is visible, what is on display. If you were blessed by Pastor Dudley's message, we want you to know our phone counselors are available and ready to pray with you right now. Our number is simple to dial. Call us right now at 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We are ready for any prayer requests or needs you may have. If you would like more information about Pastor Dudley Rutherford, Shepherd Church, or this ministry, visit our website, liftupjesus.com. Our address again is liftupjesus.com. We also want you to know that Pastor Dudley Rutherford has a monthly devotional that he'd like to share with you. You can easily sign up to receive this devotional by simply going to our website, liftupjesus.com, and clicking on a link at the top of the page that says monthly devotional. There is a place on the monthly devotional page where you can enter your name and email address and begin receiving Pastor Dudley's monthly devotions on a regular basis. It's that simple. This is just one of the many resources we offer on our website, liftupjesus.com. That website again is liftupjesus.com. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Brokenhearted? Anxious? Or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. 
This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also get God Has an App for That on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. Hello, friends. My name is Dusty Frizzell, and I want to invite you to our new Thursday night service at Shepherd Church. That's right. We're adding a fourth service. Worship service starts at 7 p.m., and it's for all ages. We'll be following the same sermon series as the weekends, and you'll hear from myself, from some of my friends, and even from Pastor Dudley. So if you'll be gone on a weekend or you just want to open up some seats for others on the weekends, join us on Thursdays at 7 p.m. I hope to see you there. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.